Hi, I'm Jerje, the host. It's a cold morning on November 18th, 2019 here at Round Rock High School. And we are here in fifth period to discuss a disease which is no laughing matter. Hi, I'm Alex, a therapist that works with mental disorders. And this illness is extremely rare and is known as Soto Bolobar effect. It causes uncontrollable laughter and at inappropriate times that does not directly relate to how the ill person feels emotionally. Ha 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 ha. That was Miles, our patient. I'm Preston, doctor number two. As you could likely hear, the patient does not have control of his actions. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, and the sad thing is that because this disease is so rare and not well understood, Victims often have a hard time explaining to the people around them what is happening. I guess it's our job to explain it to our listeners. That sounds like a terrific idea. So, how do you know you have the disease? Well, let's just ask our patient here, huh? Pseudobulbar effect is a disorder of the nervous system. I often go into frequent, involuntary, and uncontrollable outbursts of crying or laughing that are exaggerated or not connected to my emotional state. This is called emotional dysregulation. I feel like I am bipolar. I cry one moment, I laugh the next. My mood will appear normal between episodes, which can occur at any time. Interesting. Now... How would you say you really feel when you go through these episodes that you speak of? What are your thoughts during these times? I truly couldn't tell you, doctor. Honestly, I feel like I'm in a state of horrible mental anguish and emotional distress. I don't always feel sad when I burst into tears, and I don't always feel joy when I'm laughing uncontrollably. In fact, I typically feel the opposite of what emotion my body is making me display. It's horrible. Yes, and similarly, as stated by the American Journal of Managed Care, pseudobulbar effect has been labeled as emotional liability, emotional incontinence, involuntary emotional expression disorder, emotional dysregulation, emotionalism, or pathological laughing and crying. Well, I guess that makes for some exciting dinner stories, huh? They're not really funny when you're the subject matter. Fair enough. So how do you cope with pseudobulbar effect? That is an excellent question, doctor. And now we will move on to the second section of our podcast, where we will discuss treatments for the pseudobulbar effect. I'm glad you brought that up, doctor. I take pills prescribed by my doctor for my condition. (laughs) I, uh, well, here's a tissue. Anyway, what our patient here was trying to say was that if you're living with pseudobulbar effect, the condition is not curable, but it is treatable. Both pharmacologic and non-pharmacologic interventions exist. The only FDA-approved drug for the treatment of these diseases is dextromethorphan. This drug combo acts as a mechanism to block DM-hepatic metabolism, serotonin, and norepinephrine, a reuptake inhibitor. There are little exercising alternative treatments for those who wish for another option. Well, I want to interrupt you right there with all your fancy words. Actually, in my experience, I have found that patient education is one of the most cited beneficial treatment options for individuals living with this condition, along with their close friends and family. Teaching the transient nature of the disorder and learning how to separate the behavior from the underlying neurological cause are key treatment options. It's important that friends and family members understand that their loved one suffering from this condition has no control over their behavior. It's the result of an underlying neurological illness or brain injury.
When taking this into consideration, it's often easier for people to understand why those with this condition act and feel the way that they do. You heard it from him first, folks. But how big really is this disease? Is it rare or is it truly widespread? This disease affects roughly one and a half million Americans. What makes this an especially large problem is that currently there is a large gap in the medical field because doctors aren't able to diagnose it correctly. So although it may only be a small fraction of the population that suffers from this condition, victims' lives are often spent suffering because their doctor didn't prescribe them any medicine. Yes, and experts like Dr. Jonathan Fellis, a neurologist and expert on pseudobulbar effect, even go so far as to argue that one of the reasons why it is misunderstood is that it is so often mistaken for depression. As Fellis once said, well-meaning medical professionals misinterpret symptoms and tell patients that they are depressed and don't know it. They then prescribe an antidepressant which in most cases won't work and the patient continues to suffer. I completely agree. Doctors need to perform more differential diagnoses so that patients are treated better. Hey, if you're a doctor listening to this, be sure to ask your patients if they've ever injured their medulla oblongata, had strokes, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, and other similar neurological disorders. I found that most of my patients fall into one of those five categories. And that seems to be a common finding, given that many studies conducted by the Mayo Clinic have found similar results regarding additional diseases. So which of these categories does your current patient Miles fit under, doctor? Miles is a victim of multiple sclerosis, which means his immune system destroys the protective coating of nerves. We won't be able to cure him of his illness, but his diagnosis has helped with certain treatments. In other words, he'll be able to live with his ailment. Well, that'll be it for tonight, folks. Thanks for tuning in to our weekly podcast. We'll see you next week when we continue our theme of neurological disorders and examine the causes behind Alzheimer's disease and how you can prevent it. See you then. Thank you.